and welcome to Wheat Beats Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, December the 5th. On this episode of The Word, we're going to start with the crop of all crops, my wheat crop, the whys and wherefores for what's going on out there in the field. Then, of course, we have to deal once again with the crappy corn conundrum, but this time we're going to cover some different things all the way to what happens if we leave it out until the spring, right up till let's figure out how to pick the hybrids we're going to grow next year. Let's go. First off, I want to give you a quick update on Brigadoons. Oh, yes, I do. As Rhett pulled out, I sing and I dance, and it's amazing the feedback I'm getting. The people that have come out to see us, they say, wow, Peter, eh, you're not necessarily a good singer or a good dancer, but you have the energy, baby. And I can't imagine that, that I'm the guy with energy on stage. I just can't imagine that. Too funny. Anyway, next, the Southwest Agricultural Conference. Yes, it is finally full. So that means for that particular conference, which is the premier conference in the Great Lakes Basin, all that is left is the live stream option. By the way, this is new, the live stream option. Very cool option. Gives you some great opportunity to see a bunch of the presentations for 30 days after the conference. So consider that. And of course, the next conference after the Southwest Ag Conference that covers sort of the same range is Farm Smart. So that's January 19th and you should start thinking about getting registered for that one as well. Whether or not it fills up, I'm not sure, but by golly, it's another excellent conference that you absolutely should consider here in the province of Ontario. Okay, enough on that. Now, the Maritimes. Man, we have whined and complained and carried on just unbelievably about how tough harvest is here in Ontario. And Western Canada was before us. They had a tough harvest. Ontario, oh gosh, it's been tough here. And by the way, there are areas in Ontario where 15% of the soybeans are still out and they are definitely going off quality. Stopped, looked at a few. Wow, it has just been one of those years where the molds seem to be taking over. And so I'm the, the quality on those soybeans left out in the field is not good. There's no question. But... That all pales in comparison when we get out to the Maritimes and the potato harvest. So from Steph Kowalski, the lead agronomist with the Agrimart group, they they have some outlets in the Maritimes. She sent me an email. 10%, yes, 10% of the potato harvest will not be harvested. They did not get them out of the field, and they're now kind of past that point of no return. So that won't get harvested. The 10% that got harvested before that, the last of the harvest, that That may not store because they were harvested under such poor conditions. So, yep, it's tough here in Ontario. But can you imagine losing 20% of your crop? Because that's the potential out there. Hey, I think the heads up here is get out there and get some potatoes into your your cold storage because the price may well go up. Meanwhile, it's not just potatoes in that area. They still, like Ontario, have a lot of soybeans in the field and they got an early killing frost. So the corn that they have out there is extremely light test weight. Man, talk about the trifecta in terms of a crappy harvest. It has just been uh, 2018. I think most farmers in Canada are going to be happy when the calendar flips to 2019 and we can start to be optimistic about 2019 instead of always being pessimistic about what has happened in 2018. Okay, going to move on and we're going to talk about wheat. It's so lots of growers saying, Peter, oh my gosh, this winter wheat we planted is so slow. What is going on? So, Nature Nut Nick sent me some 
awesome weather data. And yes, it has been wet and it has been cold. So at Strathroy, where Nick comes from, in August, they had basically six inches, 150 millimeters of rain. In September, four inches or 100 millimeters of rain. In October, another four inches or 100 millimeters of rain. And then in November, three and a half inches or 86 millimeters of rainfall. So so just a well above average rainfall for four months. Meanwhile, Nick also sent his temperature data for November. So if you planted wheat in late October, well, most of that wheat and a lot of wheat got planted kind of that 18th to 20th, 23rd of, of October. So that wheat, November's it's growing month. Well, the temperature, the average daytime temperature was just under one degree Celsius. Wheat, we call it a base zero crop, but realistically, it doesn't grow much unless it's about two degrees Celsius. And so the average temp is one degree Celsius. Yeah, the wheat crop is simply not growing very much. The other, by the way, normally November temperatures range anywhere from about three or four Celsius and occasionally the average temperature in November is as high as six degrees Celsius. So yep, way less gross this fall, no question. The other thing that Nick sent was sunshine days. Ah, yeah, November 2018, one day that he had that was mostly sunny, two days where there was some sun. The other 27 days of November, she was cloudy, cloudy, and cloudy. Oh, that is no wonder we're all getting this uh, sunlight disorder or whatever. We're all feeling a lack of sunshine. Man, that is Yes, brutal. So what's really cool is that Dean and Bor- at Bornholm sent me some pictures because he's watching his wheat crop and kudos to you, D- Dean. So October 22nd, he planted. That was the first chance he got to plant into decent conditions. And Bornholm, that's really late for that Bornholm area, north of Mitchell. When he planted, he took soil temperature, it was 8 degrees Celsius. That's pretty cool. On November the 7th, he dug some plants up and it had a one centimeter shoot on it. So it was growing, it looked healthy, it was doing well. On December the 4th, he went out again and dug up a bunch of of seedlings. Now we have a four centimeter shoot on it. That's about an inch and a half. And so it's just nicely starting to emerge. The tip was getting a little bit green there. I think what was really cool, Dean, about what you sent me was in every picture, the seed looked healthy, the roots were white, there was no indication of rot. So for all of us, that are you know looking at wheat fields saying are they going to make it are they not going to make it if the water is laying for an extended period i think you're in big big trouble but wheat is an amazing plant the temperatures have been cool Diseases typically don't develop nearly as quickly under cool temperatures, so we have good seed treatment on that wheat seed. I think we can continue to have, you know, have faith that that wheat crop is going to be okay. All right, next on wheat. So Kelby out of Utah says, hey, Peter, so, you know, we plant in the fall. Well, at what stage does the wheat plant develop tillers? So that answer, Kelby, is quite simply the fourth leaf stage. So for that wheat crop that Dean planted, which is just starting to emerge, and by the way, Johnson's wheat is just barely emerged. I planted on 
October the 18th, and so a little bit warmer spot. So it has emerged, but gosh, we are not likely to see tillers this fall, and that means our spring management has to change as well. The other question that Kelby asked is, at what temperature does the wheat plant stop tillering? Well, there's no temperature. It will continue to grow and develop, and we got that warm day on on Saturday, a gorgeous day, 11 Celsius. Yes, it was growing, and it would initiate another tiller if it was at that fourth leaf stage four or five leaves, but it's got to be past the third leaf stage before that happens. And so we aren't going to see fall tillers in much of that wheat. This is where seeding rate and head counts and that whole thing really starts to come together. I'm not going to go into that, but gosh, just I'm really glad that we have good looking seeds still in the soil and I'm hopeful for an awesome wheat crop, even though it is late planted wheat and it's going to take a little bit more management next spring. Josh, you didn't get your winter wheat planted. You're saying, hey, is anybody out there thinking about spring wheat and what management do I apply? Well, spring wheat is just winter wheat planted later and so realistically it still comes down to that grain fill period and high temperatures during grain fill will be just as hard on spring wheat as it is on winter wheat. So the best thing you can do is just get get set up to seed as early as you possibly can. I love frost seeding. In western Canada I think they should look at dormant seeding and I know some growers out there have tried that and, and sometimes with good success not always with good success but that's the first thing to get lined up josh be ready to seed that we'd have the seed in place have your drill ready to go and if you get a chance on the frost in march that's the time to do that job eldon you also asked about growing spring wheat you want to grow it following silage corn you put five thousand gallons of dairy manure on last fall and you're wondering if that's okay or whether you should instead go soybeans and plant winter wheat Please, Eldon, please grow soybeans after the silage corn and plant winter wheat after the soybeans. I'm, wheat is incredibly susceptible to fusarium, just like the gibberella, same organism that we get in the corn crop this year. And so when we plant wheat following silage, even though you've taken it off for silage, there's not much corn residue left there. The disease, Fusarium graminearium, it likes wheat, it absolutely loves corn. So it likes wheat kernels, but it doesn't affect the wheat stems, the straw, very much. Meanwhile, on corn, it it loves the corn kernels so much that it's not Fusarium anymore, it's now Gibberella zea because it goes sexual and it loves corn stalks as well. So that little bit of corn residue there is going to provide lots of inoculum. You grow wheat in that scenario, particularly spring wheat where low temperatures we don't escape the fusarium as well it's just a real risk from a fusarium standpoint I'd, I'd encourage you to grow the soybean crop get away from the disease inoculum and then grow winter wheat a much much better rotation okay and that moves us right into the corn crop so first off norm saying okay peter i mean i've got some high dawn corn and i'm just wondering should I leave it out there? Can I do a better job of combining it in the spring? And if I leave it out there, what are the parameters? So Norm, I think it's a good thought process. One of the most amazing things that we've found out about this corn harvest is if we combine in the rain or at night when the dew is a damp day so that the kernels are dampish, then our dawn levels in the grain go up. And you say, how can that be? Well, remember, the dust is five times more toxin in it than the grain itself. And if you have damp kernels, then I think what happens is the dust sticks to the kernels. And yep, when we sample that corn, 
up go the toxin levels. If we fast forward to the spring, well now that corn is going to be 14% moisture, 12% moisture. If it's 12% moisture, you lose some yield, right? Because that's 3% lower in moisture than what they would shrink it to when they the, did the drying calculation if you combined it at 23% moisture. So that yield loss a bit of an issue, but now we got super dry kernels. And in the spring, typically the humidity is low, no dust sticking to it, and maybe we'll be able when it's lower in moisture to do a better job of blowing those light kernels out the back. So you want to leave it out. I think that's a reasonable strategy. Just remember, Norm, you are in the snow belt. So we need to deal with all that snow. And you need to leave four rows. Leave four rows around the outside of the field. Unless, of course, there's trees there. Trees will do the same thing as the four rows. That is your snow fence. Then you combine the next 18 or 20 rows so that the snow fence stops the snow, the snow settles out where you've already combined because if the snow goes over the cob, it pulls it straight down, it's a huge yield loss, it's just one of those things that you can't do anything about, so make sure you combine the headlands all the way around the field, leaving that four rows, leave the rest of the field, and unless we get a ton of snow this winter, that system can work again as long as standability is okay. Next, I want to talk about trying to clean the corn. So Adam, my good friend Adam down at uh, South of St. Thomas did an excellent job. Got a cleaner in, cleaned a bunch of corn, did six different tests. And he said, Peter, zero improvement. I took the screenings out. I got no improvement whatsoever when I delivered that corn. And so Adam, the problem is, it's what amount are you actually taking out? And is that amount that you're taking out, even though it's higher in toxin, Reggie from Michigan sent me some data and said his screenings in Michigan from his corn are 17 parts per million. Every time we analyze the screenings, what we clean out, it's higher in dawn than the rest of the corn. So cleaning it is a good thing, but if you're not taking enough of the higher dawn out of that sample, you're not going to get an improvement. By the way, my neighbor Bill, he sorted out the small light kernels out of out of a sample of his corn. So he just took the small light diseased blackened tip kernels out. He sent them to the lab for analysis. 132 parts per million dawn. 132. So this concept that Norm has of leaving the corn out, and if we could blow those kernels out in the spring because they were lighter and get rid of them, I really think that we can get this corn to a lower dawn level. Is it Does it work for everybody? No, but absolutely cleaning works. It's just, can we clean enough out of us to get us to where we want to be? Okay, just before we go into picking hybrids, I need to talk about DDGs. So last episode, I gave a value for DDGs. Spread them back out in the field. Make ethanol out of the crappy corn. Put the DDGs back out in the field. And immediately, I got a call from my friend Chad Southlampton, excellent agronomist, Peter, Peter, Peter. You forgot the sulfur in the DDGs, and it's a value. You are 100% right, Chad. I did forget that, and I shouldn't have. So Chris Rollins from Honeyland Ag Services, he's a soil test lab. He has a big database on DDGs in terms of their analysis. He's done the calculation. He would say that there is, in a ton of DDGs, there is 95 pounds of nitrogen, 39 pounds of phosphorus as P2O5, 29 of potash as K2O, and 13 pounds of sulfur. When he 
uses current fertilizer prices and and gives full value for every nutrient, that's $90 a ton. I talked with Chris. I said, Chris, you're not going to get full value out of the nitrogen. He agrees with that. I use 50%. That would pull you back to $70 a ton. And the fertilizer prices he's using are, to me, are on the high end, but at least that gets you kind of into the game. All right, I'm going to finish it up quickly with picking hybrids. You know, everybody's focused on Dawn, and we need to be, but Pat at Stratford made a really good observation. His high dawn corn was standing great and yielding well. He had a variety that was low in dawn. It was going down lodging. It looked crappy. It just wasn't high yield. Wow. What a challenge. So you really now, you got to look at yield. You really need to look at standability. Don't forget that. Out in eastern Ontario, one of the biggest issues, test weight. So you need to have a high test weight corn and you add Dawn into that mix. And so as you go through that hybrid choosing process, it gets incredibly complex. But if all you focus on is the Dawn susceptibility of that hybrid, well... I don't know, next year is Dawn an issue? That's a really good question, but it probably won't be when you're giving up maybe on standability and yield, and it doesn't let the corn companies off giving us hybrids with good Dawn tolerance, but you have to look at the whole package. Look at that! Yet again, I'm way out of time. That's it, that's all. On behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com, this is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, December the 5th. Leave me lots of questions because I want lots to talk about on the next episode and we will talk to you next Wednesday.